0: Rose Seattle. Well, Aaron, we're back. We are. We're back for season two Woo-hoo. of Bark. And I honestly, I owe this all to you. Aaron Mason is the producer here and engineer, and I call him my hand holder on Bark because that's he does all of these things. He wears all of these hats. And if it wasn't for Aaron, I kid you not. This would not be possible because uh, all of these different things. I'm a former sports writer and and currently a sports talk show host here at Seven Ten ESPN Seattle. Work on the Danny Dave and Moore show, but this is truly a passion of mine. Like honestly, like we talk about the Seahawks and Mariners and different things that are going on, the Super Bowl, whatever might be going on, and I do my best with all of that. But this is. My passion. I love dogs. I I mentioned during the first season that I love dogs more than people. And we've been waiting to start a second season. And Aaron came to me one day and a couple weeks ago and said, hey, why don't we just get going and get a second season out there? We've been downloaded nearly 10,000 times the first season. And uh, it's been fun for me. And I'm not sitting here thinking that I'm going to get rich off of bark uh I'm just a dog lover like you are. I I just love dogs. And my dog right now, I meant to bring him today and I did. He's he's up in my truck. He's sleeping and I'm I'm getting ready to take him to an off-leash park over in Redmond at Marymore Park, but this is just uh it's fun for me. And if you know if we make a few bucks, that'd be great. Yeah. But <laughs> we're in the wrong business, right? <laughs> I know. I know, but I just I just have fun doing it and I just I love talking about dogs. I've heard other dog podcasts out there and, and um it's just kind of fun to look back on the different things that we talked about in season one and there's all kinds of different topics we want to get into on season two too. Yeah, what are some of those, Jim? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what what are some of those. That was supposed to be a hanging curveball that I was supposed to hit out of the park, yeah, wasn't it? Well, one of the things, Aaron, since you asked, was uh, talking about, because I've had a hard time. I've had three dogs now, and they've been golden retrievers every time, and it's been Murph, Willie, and River. River, currently I just told you about River. He's hes almost two years old now, up in my truck, but I have a hard time thinking about, boy, I've gone to a breeder, and ad in the paper about golden retrievers, and, and I've I've gotten my dogs in that respect but i haven't gotten a rescue dog and i always feel guilty about that that maybe i should go to a shelter next time and and my wife is talking about getting a second dog and that's the course we're going to take is to get a get a rescue dog and so that's one of the things we're going to get into here on bark i want to see this series called dogs that's on netflix oh yeah i'm i'm anxious to see what that's all about although I'm I'm one of those guys. I I can't I can't take it. I mentioned during season 1 that like Marley and Me. I haven't been able to watch that or read the book because I know the dog dies at the end and I know that I'm just going to be a puddle. I'm going to be I'm going to be crying and I it's probably going to be the same thing with uh with dogs this documentary on on Netflix and uh Homeward Bound. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone not cry when Shadow comes back? <laughs> Shadow being a golden retriever. Or even you know, things that are, I mean, animated. I, I'll i cry any time a, a dog is some sort of emotional scene. But, yeah, River, my dog, my golden retriever, and he's part English cream and, and part golden retriever, whatever, however you want to say it. i I read something where it sounds like there's no such thing as an English cream, but if you can picture him, he's one of those whiter-looking golden retrievers. And, yeah, during the first season... <laughs> He came in here. Can you see over there, Aaron? Is is the rug, has it ever been repaired? Yes, they fixed it. They did fix the rug. Yeah. Yeah. They fixed the rug. Well, we were in here, and I thought it'd be kind of cool to have my dog in here during the bark uh, taping, and it was until he decided to tear up the rug, and, and I blame Aaron. What? Because, well, you know why I blame you, because I was busy you know, talking about I- bark here. And- <laughs>
1: yeah. And- I was wrestling your dog away from the carpet while you were talking to Bob Stelton. Yeah. Well, the- I didn't want to pull his teeth out. So I, I thought- mean, he was
0: in there. Well, and then I felt bad because I told the engineers that I would never do that again. I'm sorry. I, I you know, I, I just wanted to come clean with And we, we tried to put a chair over it and we tried different things to try and hide. And I thought, <laughs> nah, I got to be honest about it. And so I told them. And, and now Aaron just told us that they fixed the carpet. But what did I do? I brought him in for another show in another studio and he got into the cords and tore up some of the electrical things. And I was really worried about that. Well, has he gotten any better? He's almost two years old. He doesn't tear up anything at home. I'm not sure if he would tear up anything here, but yeah, he's gotten better. Yeah. Except for when we're out on trails and he decides that when he's off leash that he wants to, he doesn't jump on joggers. Or I mean, he doesn't jump on walkers. He only jumps on joggers. (laughs) Oh, And then let me let me tell you a real quick story, and I'm going to get into another one when we get into talking about finding dog walkers and, and Rover.com and all these different services that you have available, and I, I've got a doozy of a story where I was called a, a privileged old white man by, by this kid, and uh, it, it was a weird one. But I, I like having River off-leash, except for when he sees people that are saying, no, 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 stay away, stay away, stay away, and they put their hands up. When they put their hands up, he feels like they're playing. And so then that makes him go and jump even more. And it's the owner's fault that this happens. And the owner would be me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, you, okay, here here we go, Aaron. This is really bad. There might be people who turn off the podcast when they hear this. But he made a woman cry one day. Yeah, she literally, I was yelling at him to come back to me. And before he came back to me, she was going, "No, no, no, get away, get away, and he just was like, "Hey, I'll play with you," and she sat down on the curb, and she started crying, and I felt really bad. Oh, I was like, "No, river, come, river, <laughs> river, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, so maybe you're listening and thinking, man, what a terrible owner he is, and uh, yeah, I wrestled with that one so so River came back, and i I didn't know whether to go to and console the woman or feeling like River might." upset her even more, so I just went away. Got out of there. Yeah, yeah. I left. I left. But I'm working with him. I'm, he's doing better. I've got treats with me. I'm keeping him on the leash more than I was in the past, and it seems to be working, and he's calming down a little bit. Got him fixed. Oh, yeah. That helped. Mm-hmm. That helped getting him fixed. He had to deal with the, uh, the cone of shame for quite a while, <laughs> but uh, he seems to be doing well. And, uh, uh, and in fact, coming up, and, and thank you – let me, let me just say this. I know there are all kinds of podcasts out there, and I, I just recently learned that these are called episodes, and I was confused on the whole deal. And, and I know you have a lot of choices that you can be listening to, but I greatly appreciate that you're listening to Bark today because you're a fellow dog lover like I am, and thank you for that. Today we're going to get into this. I told you that I've had three dogs, and um, my first dog was four 14 when he died, my second dog, 13. And so, River, two years old. I've been seeing Terry Tomchek. She's my vet out at Alpine Animal Hospital in Issaquah for more than 30 years. And she's like a buddy of mine. She's a friend. And that's one of the things when you're looking for a vet, you want to have that relationship with your vet because it's really important. It's not just the medical part of it. Because uh, there's so much more to being a vet, and I wanted to find out a little more behind the scenes. With I call her Doctor Terry. She's Doctor Tomczyk, but I call her Doctor Terry. And and uh, there's so much to it—psychological issues, different things that they're dealing with on a daily basis. And here she is. Here she is. She's my vet. She's the coolest gal around, coolest lady around, coolest woman around. She's all of those things, Aaron. She, she's a sweetheart, and she's a fellow Koog too. She uh, got her degree over at Washington State, just like I did, Washington State University in Pullman, Washington. And uh, I just feel really lucky that I found her.
2: Hello, this is Dr. Tomchick.
0: Hi, Terry, it's Jim Moore. Oh, hi, how are you? I'm doing fine. Yeah, I'm doing fine. Um, hanging in there with River. He's almost, I guess he's going to be two in April. Yeah, so I
2: looked at his chart because I hadn't seen where you'd been in lately, and unless you got him shot somewhere else, um, he's overdue.
0: Okay, I'll bring yeah, him in. Yeah,
2: so he needs boosters on his distemper and rabies at least.
0: Well, I'll get an appointment and uh, yeah. and bring him in because yeah, I haven't been by for a while. Well, all right, so we're we're here on Barquet and we're talking to Terry Tomcheck, and she's my vet. She's been my vet for. 30-some years now. I was, You know, Terry, I was thinking about it. And welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time today.
2: Oh, no problem. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I, I was thinking about it. We go way back because I'm on my third dog now. And I've, <laughs> I I mean, there was Murphy, and then there was Willie, yeah. and now River. I've had three Golden Retrievers, and uh, yeah. it's been a great relationship. You know, I tell people that it's it's not just... I mean, Terry Tomchek you're not just my vet. I feel like you're a good friend of mine after all these years.
2: Oh, well, thank you for saying that. That's, that's the way I view my profession, and, and that's the joy that's attached to it, is getting to know people, families, their family members, and the family members, of course, are their pets and their kids. And now from my great age, now I see generations and it's very, very, very joyful. Well, so. I
0: yeah, I bet it is. You know, it, it's it's uh, having had three dogs and coming to you and getting the the great care, the medical care. But you know, the thing I appreciate about you too, too Terry, is that it's it's like that emotional support you get from your vet too. And I, I don't know if that's common with all vets, but I, I certainly feel that from you.
2: Well, thank you. I think we all try. Um, sometimes we get behind, and we always feel I always feel bad when people have waited, but sometimes you just can't hold to the actual schedule. I read somewhere that your doctor is taught to sit down for the three minutes that they spend with you, so you feel like they' spent longer.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We don't do that, and um, we can't because the animal can't speak to you the pet parent has to be a good observer and speak for the pet. So it's kind of like when my daughter was little and a baby, and I took her to the pediatrician, he once said to me, you know, maybe we should go into practice together because my patients can't talk and neither can yours. (laughs) (laughs) So we didn't naturally, but that's the way it is. It takes a little longer. Oh, I to, bet. Um, to get the whole picture mm-hmm. about a particular pet.
0: Well, Terry, before we get into the topic for today here on Bark, I'm I'm just wondering, how about, like, what's the best thing about being a vet and the worst thing?
2: Oh, the best thing I think I just described is um, the contact we have with people over time, and we get to know them and their families. And uh, if you're a veterinarian, I say you should be in love with them before you even start because what can be better than coming to work and working with animals that you love and admire to begin with Mm -hmm. and they are all so different even within a breed we can kind of predict characteristics within a breed but uh, they're always outliers and those are probably the most entertaining ones and the worst thing for me, the worst thing is severe neglect, and oftentimes, Jim, it's not on purpose. It's only ignorance and lack of education. So I think here at Alpine, we, one of our main goals is to see ourselves as educators. For instance, not everybody can do everything we recommend. We understand that, but we try to help people choose the things that they can do, so... I can't think of a worse thing other than sometimes we're really stressed because we're tired. <laughs>
0: well, I can imagine. I can imagine. Uh, well, the end of a dog's life—I'm sure that's that's tough for people because I know that I've that certainly, is, yeah, I've certainly, it, certainly gone through that.
2: Yeah, and you know, we all have gone through it with our own pets. So I always have told my doctors that you know euthanasia—that's where the pets brought in by the family to be put to sleep, I've always told them that, hey, look at human doctors. Do they do that? No, we do. It's stressful. We need to take our time and we need to give ourselves a chance to recover from that because oftentimes it's a pet you've known for all of its life and the pet's special to you too. So, um, you know, I guess that's, That's not a bad thing because if you can do it right and not uh, stress yourself out and be depressed, it's a good thing because most of the time the pet is suffering and the owner is suffering and it gives a dignified end to the pet.
0: Boy, it's tough though, Terry.
2: Oh, I know.
0: It's I tough. Know. I even when I when I drive by Alpine Animal Hospital there in Issaquah, where where you work, I you know I still think about uh, the last time I took Willie there and having Murph yeah. there, and, and uh, all those memories yeah. go back through. How how do you cope with that?
2: Um, how do I cope with it? Well, I always write a sympathy card. Um, I tried as I said, I try to spend time with the owner and. We talk about, you know, sometimes where, when they got their particular pet and, you know, try to get them to tell a little story if they can. But I think oftentimes people appreciate that more than anything else we do Mm -hmm. is, you know, the um, end of life discussion and the time we spend and, you know, it's, it's, never gets any easier. And I think if you ever get to the point in this profession where that seems easy, then you're in the wrong place. You shouldn't be doing it. You have to have a little grief ceremony for yourself, for that pet that you know so well.
1: Hi, this is Aaron. Uh, Yeah. So I've been to the vet. I've had to put some pets down. And Mm -hmm. I know what it's like for me when I leave the room. What... What is it like for the vet? You, you talked about like a grief ceremony, like what's, what's it like when you go into the back after something like that?
2: Oh, well. I think that if we know the particular pet, uh, the nurses all will kind of gather around if they can and say, "Oh gosh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, uh, little, little Bob. And we've known him for a very long time, and I remember when, and then somebody else tell a story. And meanwhile, they're preparing them for um, where we store them and pick up. Most people choose cremation. Personally, I usually take a few minutes and just get by myself and write the sympathy card. Um, For many years, I've donated to WSU's uh, research fund. They have a great website where they post the names of pets that have had donations given in their name. That's, that's how I try to handle it. And unfortunately, a lot of times, then we have to turn around and go see uh, a healthy, robust pet that, or a new puppy, and you have to turn on a dime. You know, mm. you have to go from really sad to really happy, you know, and cheerful, so that can be that can be tough sometimes.
0: Well, I bet Terry. You know, I was thinking about it with my own dogs when when they got when uh, Murphy and and Willie were nearing the end. And I remember mm-hmm. being being especially with Murphy the first time, yeah. and when he was sick. And I and I remember looking at you and thinking, "Oh my God!" When you know I've been bringing him in as a puppy. As a lively dog and, and treating him for fleas and different things. And then it, it occurred to me that you might be in the next room dealing with. And I, I just, I don't know, it just hit me where I was just thinking, oh my, there's so many different things a vet has to deal with. And it's not just the lively yeah. puppy that you, you might, yeah. the very next appointment, be in another room dealing with someone and talking about yeah. the it's end of not the dog's all life. Fun.
2: That's true. And uh, I think that only recently. Uh, The profession has begun to recognize that because there have been so many instances of um, suicides in our profession. And some of the people are very well-known and well-respected behaviorists. So I I agree.
0: Terry, thanks for your time today. I I know you're busy and you carved out some time to be on Bark, and I I greatly appreciate it. I mean, I I love you uh, from from one end of the world to the other for everything you've well, done for thank me. Thank you. So.
2: Thank you, Jim. Have a good day.
0: Yeah, you too. Take care.
2: Bye-bye, bye Erin.
0: Bye Terry, thank you. Well, I really enjoyed that. I hope you did too and Terry Tomchick, Dr. Terry, we're going to have her back on Bark in Season 2 to talk about other topics and I just like I mentioned to her it's it's one of those things where You go to your vet and it's you're dealing with different kinds of things on a medical basis. But just to find out what it's like when she goes home at night, it's uh, you you just think about different dogs that come in that emergencies that she's had to deal with, with with accidents, wrecks, dogs getting hit by cars. And she deals with not only your dog or cat, but everyone else's, too. There's something
1: very special about a vet, I think, and finding you're you're really fortunate to have found like an awesome one that, you know, you know and trust and have a relationship with because you have to put not only your trust in your vet, but also you're emotionally vulnerable when you're in that office. You know, if you're anything like me anyway. It's it's you're dealing with some real hard stuff sometimes if it's if it's a scary situation or a sad situation. And that vet is the person who's there to, like, kind of hold your hand through it. And I think that's that's a really uh, amazing thing that they do.
0: Well, and yeah, you're right. And she's definitely done that. Um, My first two dogs and with with Murph, I can still remember I was living over in Port Orchard at the time and he had cancer and she gave me the options of surgery, and he was 13 at the time, I could have surgery and he might get another six months to a year, might. I remember her saying might. And then she was just like, but Jim, you could go without surgery. And if you did have surgery, he might not come out of it. I didn't really care about the expense of it. Uh, but when I tell people when they're they're getting near the end like that, Just listen to your vet because you're not really thinking clearly. And I I remember the whole weekend thinking, oh, what should I do? Should I have surgery? Should I let him live out the rest of his life? And I ended up going with letting him him live out the rest of his life. And yet you feel guilty about that because you feel like maybe I'm not doing everything I could for my dog. But that was really her advice in the end to me. It was like, Jim, just let Murphy live out the rest of his life and don't put him through surgery like that. And so everybody's situation is different, and, and at different times, not just when your dog is dying, but I just so value Terry's advice on everything that that's when I give advice to someone who's in a situation like that, I just say, hey, listen to your vet, because the vet knows best. I, I'm, I'm hoping, like I said, that, that Terry can, can come back, address some of these different things. Uh, being a veterinarian, because I don't think it's—we picture a veterinarian being— something in our minds and there's just so much that's going on behind the scenes so we'll be talking to dr terry in season two later on down the line really appreciate your time today give your dog a hug for me and we'll see you in the next episode here on bark